This ought to be great. Testing the acting skills. Here we go. Today on the Geek Out Podcast, one of the internet's greatest mysteries has just been given a deep dive. But by... nobody cares. But, but I, but did... Spider-Man is no longer part of the MCU. Oh, <laughs> Calm down. Feige won't produce the next two. And yeah, that's not wonderful, but we don't know if this completely severs the Disney-Sony symbiosis. Yeah, calm down, Art. You sound way more hype than Paul. Uh, but we'll speculate about it anyway. In other news, we have Disney Plus pricing for Canada. Calm down, Art. Take a deep breath. <laughs> Why did well, you we Art the yelling line? Confirmation that Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss are back for The Matrix 4, along with one of the Wachowskis. Spider-Man. <laughs> wow, this went great. Calm the f*** down! What? Everybody stay calm! Stay f***ing calm! Nerdy is the new sexy. It's good to be a geek! The Zell's Geek Out, the podcast. Okay, this is the last time I try and write acting scripts for the intro. That's great. Going well, going well. This is the Zones Geek Out podcast, episode 47. We record this on August 22nd, 2019. Hey, our last week's podcast, I, I'm sorry, none of us noticed this. It was podcast number 46, and it was 46 minutes long. We did it on purpose. We totally planned that. Totally Thank you, planned Kristen. that. Baby-sized pod. I'm Webmeister Bud. I host Bud's Weekly Geek Out Wednesdays at 7.20 with Dylan and Jason in the Morning Zone. Hey, I'm DJ Boy Tano. You can hear me every afternoon uh, in the Afternoon Zone. I trip myself up because I always say afternoon, afternoon, afternoon. Uh, I do the mixtape. Is it in the afternoon? It's in the Afternoon okay. Zone. <laughs> I'm Bob Lucino. So I was so sad to be gone last week uh, because, you know what, I really wanted to chime in, but about the thing about how they're going back to practical touchabouts on the Navy ships, yeah, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that is so great. I, this is what I want to say to go harken back to that really quickly is that, like, we're all used to most of us pretty high-end touchscreens are like iPhones, iPads, and whatever you use, but I don't know. And Brian, <laughs> Just like Android, you, right? but okay. Yeah, they're probably yeah. pretty good touches, but any, most other touchscreens that you see out in the wild are trash. They're like, bad touches. <laughs> they're the bad touch. <laughs> we use a touchscreen in our uh, radio station, right? And it is like circa 1993 touchscreen. They have had touchscreens since the 90s. Right, and they've they're garbage. They're they don't have the multi-touch, the like sensitivity, all that stuff that even like the first generation of iPhone came up with. Which is so strange because as the consumer, we kind of should be getting the also rans to the high-end industrial equipment, you know, especially on something like a warship, right? Where you're coming, you know, you could be coming in, it could be raining, your hands could be wet, you could be using gloves. Those things need to be the top of quality, as far as I'm concerned. Right. And you're right; those do seem to be bunk. Yeah, and and so I really liked it because in Star Trek, the original series, it's all a bunch of like flips and click, clock, like yeah. boop, day pop, right? These like actual really physical um, controls. Yeah. And then in Star Trek Next Generation, it w went to the touchscreen, yeah. obviously. And how funny that in real life, we're going the other way. Hilarious, isn't yeah, it? Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Art and Kirsten are here, too. <laughs> That was just your fucking intro? <laughs> <laughs> wasn't here last week. I missed it. I missed you guys. I listened to it even not to hear my own voice. I just you. gave Art time to calm down. It's fine. <laughs> I'm good now here, guys. Yes, let's roll. Let's do this. I'm ready to roll. And you're Art Aronson. He's a news reporter. 
Oh, Kirsten's dying. Of the highest dead. quality. Kirsten's doing and, a Muppet laugh. Yeah. <laughs> That's new. <laughs> so Everything is Kirsten really laugh. funny to Kirsten right now. Kirsten James, do your intro. <laughs> <laughs> who are you? <clears throat> Say who you are. Sibylin. <laughs> I'm Kirsten James. <laughs> I can do it without laughing. Yes, oh this God. is going to be a great podcast. We all should take turns writing an intro for Kirsten. Oh, my God. Citizen of the world. <laughs> <laughs> Kirsten James. <laughs> I'm going to try and make this quick because we've got to get to Spider-Man news. Um, great big story is a... You all right there, Kirsten? Okay, quicker. <laughs> great big story is a fantastic storytelling company. Go look them up on YouTube or Facebook. They tell amazing stories anywhere from two to ten minutes and really neat topics. Um, Paul is a great one about uh, Charles Martinet, the voice of uh, Mario oh, and all yeah. the other characters. Like there's Rob Paulson, like voice of your childhood cartoons and everything, Pinky and and uh, Ninja Turtles and Yakko from Animaniacs and whatnot. Uh, lots of great stories about lots of cool people. This kid who made like a bionic um, prosthetic arm for himself out of Lego. This this old J- Japanese guy who has runs a vending machine that gives you hot rice and curry. That he feels it's a vending machine that gives you oh, just they tell great stories and they've told a four part ninety two minutes. I, it's really funny because you said great big story is five to ten minutes and I tuned into that and I was like oh I didn't realize it was so short that's interesting and then looked at the cue sheet and saw that this one is ninety two minutes. It's and- a it's an, this is the exception to the rule. It's a four part miniseries and yeah it's about ninety two minutes about Cicada thirty three oh one which is probably one of the internet's greatest mysteries that probably all the geeks about have heard of and probably none of the non geeks have heard about. I'm not going to bang on about it too much but it goes right to my geeky heart and you know spoiler alert. It's still unsolved, but it's a great deep dive into the story and into a bunch of the people who were involved in the early days of trying to solve it. And the great big story team actually brings three of them together at the recent DEF CON uh, conference in Van, in, uh, in uh, Las Vegas. Uh, really great storytelling, really neat details. I suggest you watch it if you are at all geeky about internet mysteries or the internet. Is it a podcast, that thing? Video series. It's a video. Oh, it's videos. What's Cicada 3301, real quick? Um, so in January 2012 and then January 2013, January 2014, puzzles were released out onto the internet. And the first puzzle was just a just some black text on a white background. It was like, we are looking for highly skilled individuals kind of thing. And that was the clue. If you opened that image in an image editor, there was an encrypted URL at the bottom of it. And if you decrypted that, that led you to a website. It's like an internet scavenger hunt, but nobody knows who started it. Yeah. And like it goes deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And there's these conspiracy theories if they, they think maybe it was like what the CIA oh, yeah, looking yeah, a for lot of people, people thought it was... or maybe it's like uh like the what are the the Masons. Like there's oh. no nobody knows, but it's like so deep and so involved and you need so much um, intelligence. Why did you stand up like that? <laughs> because, oh, I'm just, this is reminding me. Um, while I was on my road trip, Chris and I heard about this story. I don't know if you guys heard this news story, too. Um, so far up Kirsten's alley, CSIS, Canadian uh, spy agency, mm-hmm. is actually using escape rooms for recruitment. What? Legit. And I thought of Kirsten immediately, who oh. loves escape rooms. So this reminds me of that, right? This could be the CIA. This, what CSIS and other like uh, intelligence agencies in Canada, they're having a really ta- hard time with recruitment right now. Of That's course. been a news story. Everybody is. What they're doing, though, is this other like separate project to that is, if you go through this specific escape room and you like beat it in the time that you're supposed to, 
Then you get to go through another puzzle. You get like one oh. more puzzle. It's like probably a really expert level escape room to begin with. Curse then me. you get one more puzzle, and if you solve that, you get invited to like a timeshare meeting about would you like to be a Canadian spy? <laughs> Let's get cursed. No, you would I crush. You would crush that. Yeah. So That's this. Awesome. I, who knows? This maybe could be that. Yeah. So it's very similar. Except not an escape room. Yeah. And, and nobody knows. And there's enough stuff there for a four part mini. Oh, it's crazy. Like it and it's so involved about like who solved it and like where they've gone. There was like wasn't there like at one point like a um like coordinates and a date? Fourteen. Fourteen GPS coordinates yeah. were part like about the third or fourth part of this first puzzle. And these coordinates had paper posters all over the world yeah. with those old fashioned QR codes. Um, the and those led to new URLs, and that led into the deep web. And there was and something with money, like a money transfer, wasn't there? Like so, like that you knew that whoever was behind this had a bunch of money. Now that must I, that I must have missed, but it doesn't surprise me at all. It doesn't surprise me at all. Like this thing was so deep. Like there was there were hotmail email accounts. You know there was there were you know interviews that would get you if you answered the right way about personal privacy and censorship and that kind of thing. Then you were invited to this private forum, which supposedly members of you know thirty three hundred one were in. Um, it involved. Did anybody know what steganography is? No. Hiding information of one type in a file of another type. Um, Cribbing, like finding patterns in code, letter shifting, substitution ciphers, dehashing, uh, running key ciphers, dead man switches for data release, um, actual physical books of, of runes, and one of the kid, like some guy in Edmonton who was part of the early solvers, he had a van just mysteriously appear outside his, his house and it stayed there for a month. <laughs> right? Yeah, it got really, really weird. It is a deep conspiracy so again where can we see so great big story yeah just find great big story on youtube or facebook okay and uh yeah it's called cracking the code of cicada 3301 i'm gonna check that out oh it's brilliant um so probably our biggest saddest news is that uh, how do we read into this spider-man down art (laughs) spider-man will no longer be shared by marvel and sony i've calmed down on this one, let's let's hear your take on it, Art. Uh, it's super clearly, passionate. Well, it's clearly just uh, a war between these two companies, and it's become very public. And they're using it as tactics to, because in the end, Spider-Man's going to be in the MCU. I like it's all like Marvel. There's Marvel Land, and there's like a Spider-Man ride in Marvel Land. Like it's going to happen, and they both have so uh, huge stakes in this. And I, from what I understand, Disney wants a little bit more of the pie. That's what I that's what I've understood from this whole public thing. So that's why talks have kind of shut down. So they've basically us. taken the the, the the bargaining public. Yes. I thought that uh, the story was that at least this is what coming from Disney, that they wanted to do a fifty fifty split. That's that's the skewed version I heard. Where and that I- Sony was the one that was like, No, we want a bigger piece of the pie. We're not going to take 50-50, and that's how everything broke down. I think down. as far as no. profits and stuff went, Disney only had something like 5%. Yeah, that's what I understood. Profit. But they have oh, all the merchandising, man. they have like the rides, yep. too, and that sort of stuff. So they wanted more of the pie, of, more the, of those. the ticket sales and stuff like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, yeah. Uh, because they, they go in on the cost of creating a movie together. 
um, and then Kevin Feige produces it. He basically does all the legwork in terms of finding a director, casting, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then, um, but then Sony gets, I guess, ninety-five percent of the, the the ticket sales on um, on that project. So I think what this was, and this is again sort of speculation from me. I, I also agree with you, Art. I, I think in the end we're going to see Tom Holland as Spider-Man in the MCU. I think this is just this is far from over. Yeah, yeah we're um, still negotiating, right? Yeah, yeah, and this is now just kind of become like this public ugly mud fight, right? Yeah. And that's that's all it really is. Um, but I think it probably started with Sony throwing out the idea of having all of their future projects like Venom and um like their their spider-man universe of like villains and all that kind of stuff getting them further into the mcu so like try to incorporate venom into the mcu and i think part of the bargaining that disney was saying is not only do they want 50 percent then of the take of spider-man they would also then want 50 percent of the take with venom and anything anything Ooh. else that sony you know tries to do within you know, you know, within this new deal. Mm. So I just don't think that sits well with with Sony. They've gone and tweeted out that um, you know that the the whole thing has kind of been mischaracterized, and it's more about Kevin Feige or Disney not letting Kevin Feige produce these films because he's busy with the new acquisitions, i.e., X Men, Fantastic Four, all the 21st like Century Fox. Um, whether or not that is true or whether or not that's just you know them trying to save face mm. you know i i don't know i i don't have any sort of confirmation on that but uh, so this is a big 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 corporate peeing contest pretty much yeah great yeah yeah and you know who's coming out really as losers is sony mm-hmm. right like uh even Their yesterday did it really yeah fucking yeah. idiots and the the hashtag online of uh save spider-man Spider-Man. from sony mm-hmm. right it's like you are showing you're just like waving your ineptitude around when you do things like this and you're like but we want venom and we want morbius to be part of this as well what you're doing is like forcing people whether they're really aware of it or not to like kind of be like wait a minute the spider-man movie was great that disney helmed and your venom movie was a bunch of schlocky shit so who sucks here oh it's sony fuck you sony i love these characters and you're fucking them up all over again so like that is the a huge unintended consequence for sony Again, a company clearly run by idiots. I don't know what is going on. Like, on every level, what are you doing? Don't dig your heels in like this. You're, oh, what? You're, you're having success with the last two Spider-Man movies? Guess what? Those are the ones you had the least to do with. Don't go hard to the bargaining table with that, you fucking idiots. Like, let Disney have what they want to make you money. Stop it. And it bothers me because Venom, Morbius... The entire Spider-Man universe that they're talking about, those are all really neat things. If, like, Spider-Man was, and, like, all those characters were, like, a whole incredible branch of the Marvel universe, similar to how, like, even galactic stuff, you know, like, no one um, intellectual property has the potential that Spider-Man does in the MCU, okay? They've got so much. They could do standalone movies. It could be a whole branch. Feige himself loves Spider-Man. That's why this was such a sweetheart deal for him, right? To begin with. To, like, let that just get 
wished away Ugh. or like the Venom thing to happen and for them to not work more with Disney and letting Marvel have control over it just is like it's frustrating as a fan that's I don't, I don't know I've been outrageous. thinking about this for a while and you gotta look at it from Sony's point of view here they have created uh, Spider-Man movies that were successful the Raimi Spider-Man movies were successful commercial hits mm -hmm. Uh, and if you, I think if you adjusted ticket sales and everything, those would be billion-dollar movies today. Uh, also, Venom, even though it was not that good of a movie, it was commercially good. Like, they made money off of it. So, and this is Disney just wanting more of the pie for a character that they see, Sony sees, as they could produce movies by themselves. I understand that it's hard for any company or person or anybody to have a real hard gut check time and be like, oh, we're terrible at the thing that we do. <laughs> but they should do that. They should see, like, how bad these movies are. Like, you know, the Garfield Spider-Mans, how poorly they were received. Like, you've got to learn lessons from that. And this is what I'll say. I don't mean to, like, feel too optimistic or too pessimistic about all this. My optimism is that if they don't work out a deal, and, like, let's all, fingers crossed, positive intentions, right? I'm all about, like, I think they'll hash this out, and we'll continue getting good Marvel Universe, Feige-helmed, Disney, you know, included, Spider-Man movies. That is my dream, okay? Yes. If we don't, my optimistic hope is that Sony learns actual lessons about putting these movies together and what makes them both critically and commercially beloved, You've got to figure that out, you guys. You've got to see Tom Holland was the right casting move. Well, they they see... chose Tom Holland. Sony did. Sony did. Yeah. You've got to see, you know, it's like how the writing, how the like story, the like high school element, all of that is so important. You know what I mean? Like there are so many great lessons to learn if you're paying attention to those last two Spider-Man movies, but I don't think they do. I don't think Sony is good at making movies. That's all there is to it. And they should stop that. If they want to own these properties, hammer checks about it, but let people who are good at making movies make movies, please just do that, Sony. Please. GeekPod fan uh, Mary Harrison says, Somehow I don't think Sony can create something that we'll flock to like we did with MCU's creations. I think Sony should have taken the deal because half of awesome is better than all of crap. Right? <laughs> Like, I agree with that from a fan perspective. But when looking at it from, you know, how Art brought it up in terms of a business mind chess that Sony's playing, yeah, they thought they would come out of this like looking like the good guy because they're not as big as Disney. And Disney just came out of buying out all these Fox properties, right? Now they fucking own almost everything. So I think they thought they would come out looking like the little guy. But when you're dealing with fans like us who are very much into quality versus, you know, what makes money and all that kind of stuff. Obviously, we're taking the side of Disney and Marvel, who's done all these movies for the MCU, and they've all done phenomenal and basically, you know, helped save the Spider-Man franchise. Mm -hmm. But you can't think that Sony are stupid just because, because of the, the success that they've had. Right, the success that they did have with the Raimi Spider-Mans, the the commercial success they ended up having with um, Venom, even though it was a crap movie, that did make you know box office money, and then into the Spider Verse as well, yeah. right? And it was like one of the biggest Spider-Man movies, you know, to make that but much it was money. Was into the Spider Verse just Sony? Just, so though? just Sony. Just yeah. Sony. But it made that much money for uh, for Sony, and it was 
an incredible Spider-Man movie. Was, yeah. So obviously they're riding high off those heels, and you know they're they're not really looking at the art of it. Yeah, I think like my my issue isn't the good movie, bad movie, whatever. Because yes, you like there is a case that Sony can make a good Spider-Man movie, but I I think the reason why this is so affecting to so many fans is because we're in the middle of a Spider-Man story right now, right? Yeah. It's not like we finished an arc and we can close that door. Like, we're in the middle of that Spider-Man. So yeah. if they suddenly take that away, like, what's, what's happening in the MCU? Like, they have weirdly positioned Spider-Man as, like, the new Tony Stark, which kind of when you take a step back and think about that is a weird move for Disney to do. It's a they, weird business move. If they yeah. didn't have him on lockdown. Yeah, yeah. good point. It's a yeah, big risk. Super good risk. It's definitely yeah. a big, big a weird business move, and I think it is one that probably Kevin Feige made more as a fan of Spider-Man mm, than he did as a, as a businessman. Because at the end of the day, his job is to produce movies, and what he did with Spider-Man Far From Home, especially in terms of setting up the future, like Secret Wars, all these different storylines, that could branch off of Far From Home, he did that definitely as a fan, and mm. that's kind of the way he, sort of he operates. But those decisions still have to be approved by business people mm. higher up, you know? But it's also more evidence as Disney has so much at stake in this that it's something's going to come out of this. They're going to get a deal done. I also was, like, um, thinking about, like, projecting into the future. Let's say that, like, you know, again, this is very optimistic. Let's say that... Um, Sony is going to make their own next, you know, Tom Holland Spider-Man 3. Um, I actually, if they can make a good quality movie, I don't actually think I would miss the other MCU elements that have been in the first two Spider-Men. I mean, our, your, one of your, like, beefs with um, Homecoming was too much Tony Stark, right? It was like another Iron Man movie, practically. And similarly, it's just like, it was really neat. It's always neat to have... Um, you know, you're like your Maria Hill and your Sam Jackson your and all synergy, those guys, yeah. your synergy. That's neat and everything. But as a, like a classic Spider-Man fan, sure, it was neat in the cartoon or the comic book series to see Spider-Man hanging out with the X-Men or, oh, my God, he's hanging out with the Fantastic Four. Wow, wow, can't believe it. Him and Iron Man are best friends. That's wow, wow, I can't believe it. Um, that's fun. <laughs> Neither, neat-a-roo. Neat. Wah, wah. But they're not my favorite Spider-Man stories. My favorite Spider-Man stories are Spider-Man by himself, you know, tiny little guy against the world, against, you know, his greatest villains, against Jonah Jameson. I don't need those other elements from the MCU to always be monkeying with them. So if, like, just take the quality and everything that's great about these last two Spider-Man movies that we like and just remove those elements, I'm not devastated. And I think that's kind of where they were headed towards with the third Spider-Man, is yes. that it wasn't going to be um, one that was influenced by Tony Stark or the other uh, MCU characters, this was going to be Spider-Man out on his own. Yeah. I think where where more it's going to hurt Disney and the MCU is taking away the potential to use other characters in the greater MCU, to have Spider-Man show up in another person's story, yeah. or to have say Norman Osborn start like Hammer or whatever, you know, the you know, right. the, the other, the kind of counter version of S.H.I.E.L.D. or the Dark Avengers, all that kind of stuff, that basically just goes out the window. Yeah. Uh, also, it's interesting to think what, like, what Tom Holland thinks of all this, because he's under contract he's been, for two more pictures, he's I think. He's been quiet. Yeah, so... That's got to be an interesting uh, position to be in because he probably wants to be part of the MCU, right? His dad tweeted something. Oh yeah, his what? Dad was, his dad tweeted hashtag Save Spider Man. 
Really? Wow. How cosmically satisfying, though, would it be if Sony fucks up Spider-Man 3 for the third time in a row? <laughs> wow. Ah, uh, right. And something, like, weird, like a snap happens, and, like, all of Sony just, like, turns to dust and floats away. I'm going to say <laughs> that this is Sony buying Spider-Man back when they did in the... Whenever that struggle happens in the it was 1990s, I guess is probably the worst thing that could have ever happened to the Spider-Man property. Okay, honestly, if what if Disney had bought it to begin with back then, they probably maybe still would have hired Sam Raimi. We still got got those same movies. I don't think Sony did anything good there. You know, with those three movies. In fact, they probably. Um, in fact, I know that they fucked up the third one by forcing Sam Raimi to put Venom in it when he had no interest in that character, and that's why it sucks. But. The second worst thing that could have happened, and actually, and this is why it would have been a better thing, is if Michael Jackson would have bought the Spider-Man property like he wanted to and played Spider-Man in a live-action Spider-Man movie. Did you know, guys know that he wanted to do that? No. That was his dream. And then at least we would have had, as the first Spider-Man movie, the most insane thing <laughs> of all time we could all talk about. Oh, my God. Well, this is not the Michael Jackson Spider-Man. The insane Michael Jackson Spider-Man. Can you imagine how insane that would have been? Imagine a 1990s Michael Jackson's playing Spider-Man. Wow. Or, like, it would have been to the 2000s before they got it off the air. Off the ground. Imagine that. Fascinating. No, I can't. I can't. How completely Done. horrible. And now we wouldn't even be able to watch it. But speaking of Spider-Man, oh, but, well, you sent this out too, right? Um, there's a neat thing right now. Maybe we could put it in the show notes about that re-released original oh, Spider-Man yes. 1 trailer. That is a good tie-in. Um, that's a really cool thing. Did you guys remember seeing this when it first came out? Yes. I did. And I remember them, like, I remember the, all of the controversy over taking it out. Yeah. And then they had to digitally edit it out of the movie as well. No, it was never supposed to be in the movie. I thought I thought that they had scenes they had to digitally edit out of the movie. Like, when he was, like, slinging around. That may be true because of the Twin Towers yeah. were there. What I do remember... But not that specific not scene. Not that specific no. scene. What I do remember is they added in, they did some reshoots or some re-CG of Spider-Man involving an American flag. Like, there was something uh, very yeah, patriotic that, was right that around they the added end. in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, yeah, what we're talking about is a 2002 trailer. Um, one of... Three trailers that come to mind for me that I sh showed Kirsten all of this morning, completely wasting her time in the geek department. Mm, right. um, one of three trailers that I know of where footage was shot exclusively for the trailer and had never had intention of being shown in the movie. Um, we have a bank robbery. They escape through the, you know, a batting, bat, bat grappling hook and get to the ceiling and they're on a, um, they're on a helicopter and the helicopter gets slowed and then pulled back and stuck in a, in a spider web in between the twin towers. And this trailer came out in 2002. They'd already obviously been putting it together when um, the 9-11 um, attacks happened. And so, yeah, this trailer went away. It was scrubbed. It became a thing of legend. And it has recently resurfaced on the Internet, remastered up to like 2160K, which is amazing. Did you see it, bud, like uh, yeah, in I a saw theater the, when it was out? Not in the theater. No, I saw it on a computer um, yeah. when it came out. And, yeah, it was an interesting part of the whole controversy and the whole sensitivity uh, rightful I think sensitivity oh, yeah. uh, of it but yeah it was interesting to see and then right around that time when it was pulled then all these stories about other uses of the Twin Towers mm -hmm. came out 
Did y'all know The Lone Gunman, the spin-off series of The X-Files starring the three paranoid guys? Oh, yeah. The very first episode was about a plane that was remote-controlled to crash into the, into the Twin Towers. Wow. I think it was about 10 years before that actually happened. Whoa. Crazy, right? Yeah, wow. It's, you know, it's like, it's, it's, um, it's like striking energy, uh, imagery right now. Oh, it. But I remember like, seeing it in whatever it was, 2001, 2002, when I, when I like downloaded that band trailer on LimeWire or whatever. Oh, you went after it specifically to see it because you'd heard the controversy? I heard about cool. it, yeah. yeah. And, um, and yeah, even then, and I mean, yeah, so soon after 9-11 too, it was like, holy fuck. Yeah. Would have been a great teaser. Oh, and absolutely. What's neat about re-watching that teaser is like, um, it's so of the time, obviously, with oh, the Twin Towers. Yeah. Hugely the, of the, the time. The song is... The oh, my God, the music. Oh, my God, I hate 1990s. I was like, I was like oh, my God, the early 2000s are a nightmare. Like, <laughs> early 2000s alternative rock music is the worst fucking music there is. Lunatic Calm <laughs> was so on my bad. listening playlist around the time. That and all the trailer music from all the Matrix movies. And, oh, man, I, yeah, I was yeah. hook, line, and sinker yeah. for that. Oh, Horrible, God. terrible music. It was great. It was <laughs> great. Bad. Anyway, Disney Plus, we finally have a confirmation of Canadian pricing. No price breaks if you sign up for a year. It's eight ninety nine a month or eighty nine ninety nine a year in Canada. Obviously, no um, Hulu or ESPN Plus because we don't uh, get those here. But yeah, that's what we know, and that's a price break if you sign up for a year, isn't that? Eight ninety nine or eighty nine ninety nine. Eighty nine ninety nine. But failed math. I did fail math. Then, how but many months in a year? Twelve. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> forget what I, you will forget the last 30 seconds. Oh, <laughs> hey, everyone, oh, Bud's as bad at math as me. <sighs> I, I legit failed math nine. I'm sorry. Yes. Sorry. That is a price break because <laughs> there are not 10 months in a year. There are 12. I'll, I'm just going to step away from Mike. <laughs> so, we don't know anything else uh, apart from the price. Like, is this like 4K? Is this what? How many devices? You were so, asking good questions. You said not Hulu and ESPN, but are there others? There, no, there's no bundles. There's no bundles there's at no all. Bundle we've heard of in no. Canada. Just because we don't have Hulu or ESPN. Yeah. yeah. But what was the bundle that we were talking about a couple of weeks ago? It was Disney Plus, Hulu, ESPN. There was another one, wasn't there? That was the bundle in the United States. Yeah. ESPN Plus and Hulu and Disney Plus for whatever. Oh, the just them three. Yeah. 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 And I said they should add the Food Network, and I would. Fall over. <laughs> <laughs> it's too bad. Food plus. Food plus. Food plus. <laughs> so, a fine thing. We're all getting it, right? We'll all get our individual Disney pluses, and then we'll all go in on Netflix together. Come yes. on, you guys! What do you, why, why would we get individual Disney pluses? Why wouldn't we share Disney pluses? Well, because we don't know the details in terms of how many devices and stuff. Oh, sure, sure, yeah. What if yeah. I'm trying to watch Captain Marvel the same time that Art's trying to watch Captain Marvel, the same time that Paul is trying to watch... Phineas and Ferb. Look at and that is a very <laughs> likely Ferb, scenario. Ferb. It's more likely these days that we'll all be watching something on Disney Plus than we would be watching all something on Netflix at the same time. Oh, I'm yeah. so excited for it. I'm so excited for The Mandalorian. Yes. I want it now. Yes. Now. Yeah, I don't even know if it's the same launch date, which I believe is November 12th uh, in the States, but uh, we're getting close, so hopefully we'll find those out soon. Well, D23 is happening, is it right now or this weekend? Uh, or? This weekend, I think, yeah. yeah. What is that, so. the 23rd Mighty Ducks movie? No, Doofus. <laughs> <laughs> Emilio God. Estevez is still looking the same. <laughs> D23, no, Kirsten, you, you say it. Is this like, it's, it's like Disney like Comic Disney's, Con. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Got it. Which we'll probably get some Spider-Man news there. We'll probably more get know. some like Disney Plus and and yeah. other pretty things. contentious, bud. <laughs> right. 
Um, so in other news, we have confirmation that The Matrix 4 is officially going to be made. Keanu Reeves, Carrie Ann Moss, and Lana Wachowski, that she was Larry Wachowski, uh, Lana Wachowski will be writing and directing it. Can I say what a glow up name wise from Larry to Lana? <laughs> <laughs> Good Who's named Larry? Hey, Was it short for Lawrence, Lawrence or something? Lawrence. It's Lawrence. Even so, still. For all the Larrys, Larry. that's Paul at the zone.fm. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Larry. Yeah. Figure out a new name, Larry. There's, Larry. Well, no, well, I won't get a single message. Nobody's named Larry in 2019. Good contribution, Paul. Thanks for that. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Lana's a beautiful name. I found this interesting because there was a press release that refers to Lana as a singular and original creative filmmaker. The, Lana or or Lily, neither of them have their own Wikipedia. Like they've done almost all of their work together oh, well. um, as as the siblings. And I think only season two of Sense8 was was just made with Lana. Otherwise, they've always worked together. I don't understand how she's a singular and original creative filmmaker. But anyways, are they fighting? Oh no, I don't. Oh, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. But what's I'm, Lily doing then? Other things, or just not? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I, it doesn't. Uh, the article didn't say necessarily, but I mean, why isn't Lily involved in this? I wonder. Yeah, that... it's a good question. But I mean, so far, I would trust that the 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 synergy they've had working as siblings should hopefully be able to you know work if you split them off at least at least be half as good. Um, it is a good question, though. It is strange that uh, Lily's not involved along with Lana. All right, aside, bud. Aside from that, yeah. does anybody want this? Well, I was going to ask you, bud. Like, you love The Matrix more than life itself, so w- are you stoked for The Matrix 4? No. I need to I need to learn of a plot or something. I love the idea. I love the world. It is, like, third or fourth favorite in my list of favorite movies. But I, you know, and Keanu Reeves is great. He's wonderful, technically Canadian and some Chinese. And I don't, um, but I just, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm kind of the same. It though. depends on the plot. I'll, really. I'll, I'll see what the plot's going to be. Yeah, and then I'll kind of make my judgments on that. And I'll either, I think, regardless, I'll probably watch this. The world is fantastic and was yeah. so ahead of its time for the '90s. Now we're ahead even more. So I don't know how they can future predict this. So we've confirmed Keanu Reeves, Carrie Ann Moss are going to be in this, so it's going to be a prequel? Good question. Well, and that's, that's, yeah, and that's kind of the discussion in in terms of what could this be? Could this, could they have not? Spoilers? Oh, I guess. Spoilers for anybody that hasn't seen them. Hello, everyone. This is a spoiler alert. Thank you. Or spoilers for anybody that has and just doesn't didn't understand. <laughs> Paul Pacino. <laughs> Before we heat up the mics, Brian said, "Like, oh, those two characters are dead," and I was like, "They are." I didn't remember. I thought it was all a allegory about Jesus. Like, I didn't know that they died at the end. No, so Trinity died in the hovercraft because they crashed, and then uh, Neo died. Um, fighting Smith and he just got absorbed by Smith and that was his plan the whole time. Okay, that'll bring me to my next point after you're done. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Next point. No, no, no. You do yours first. I think that was it. It's just in terms of like that's the only discussion right now is is guessing how could they be back? You right. know, did they really not die? Was the Matrix... Maybe Paul was right. Was the real world the actual... Was they were they actually in another layer of the Matrix uh, kind of thing? Oh, it's like, too heavy for me right yeah. now. I can't. Okay. <laughs> 
Um, all right, so that brings me to the point that uh, The Matrix 2 and 3 are confusing trash nonsense. <laughs> and that's why I'm not that dumb. I just didn't understand it. They have their I, moments. They, yes, they do. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'll give you that for sure. And well, two has its moments. I don't know yeah, Reloaded yeah. was fun. It was a fun movie. Yeah. We had you know, the- in three, I, what I enjoyed is nothing about being inside the Matrix. I enjoyed the uh, the battle underground, where they were using those things. Yeah, and yeah, the, the giant the mechs. Guys I don't know. I found that whole movie just a bit of a slog. It's a yeah. whole Helms mm-hmm. Deep for me th- thing for me. Mm. I just just went on. Helms Deep. Much. What do you mean? Like the, an ongoing battle. Just like it, everything just went on for way too long. Uh, like, what? Take just, that back about Helm's Deep. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, take that back right now. Yeah, I, I don't, don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. How yeah. dare you! <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, well, okay, so what was the example pre-Matrix of, oh, the first one was successful. Let's make two more real quick back-to-back at the same time, bang them out mm. all at once. Because... Yeah, well, that was a thing. It was like that, and then Pirates of the Caribbean did that. And then Back to the Future did that first. That's yeah. That's was it. Back to the Future. Thank you. I was yeah. trying to remember that. But yeah, that was always planned to be a trilogy, wasn't it? No. 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 Okay. After the first one, they didn't plan on doing a second one. That's that's wow. why. Uh, uh, what's your name got in the car? So interesting. Okay, so maybe it's the Back to the Future trilogy um, formula that they try to do there with the Matrix and Pirates of the Caribbean. That is. But a bad formula. And it may not have been unprecedented. It may not have been the first time, but they filmed for two and three at the same time. Right. Like it was one shoot. And that was newsworthy, even if it wasn't like original in the first time they did it. Right. So, yeah, maybe it was the Matrix that, made, that like, you know, popularized that uh, technique. That's but a good word for it. Bad. Bad idea. Another good word for it. Okay, because, yeah, like... The first one was good, but you could tell it was like a little standalone story. And then when you say, like, trilogy, it's so good, let's make it a trilogy. It's like, okay, but one at a time. The most successful trilogy is the original Star Wars trilogy. They didn't bang out Empire and Return of the Jedi in one shoot. You know what I mean? They probably storyboarded or whatever so that it would all be coherent and they had a general idea of where the story would go. But you don't bang them out like that. It just clearly... Uh, results in a lack of quality. That's same exact thing happened with Pirates of the Caribbean. The first one is so great. Let's bang out two more, make this a trilogy. They are diminishingly good. They're like two is not very good, and three is straight up like bad, not fun to watch. And the same they went with back to making one Pirates of the Caribbean movie yeah. at a time. Yeah, and that's the same with the uh, the Dark Knight, that whole trilogy with uh, Christopher Nolan, right? right? The third one. Why did we have to have the third one? Okay, but that one was that's like an example of like one at a time. You know what I mean? Like, who knows? Maybe The Dark Knight would have been worse if they were filming Dark Knight Rises at the same time. I don't think it was ever meant to be a trilogy, and I think that's why the third one kind of fell off. That's what I'm saying. I just, I think it was a good uh, lesson uh, as to what not to do. Yeah. Because it was ambitious, again, newsworthy, and they did it, and they, 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 they pressed it up really big, and then they kind of failed. So maybe a good, a good cautionary tale. Because it was... Lord of the Rings, who did the entire shoot, all three movies at once. Yeah. That's the a exception. Good model. To, the exception to the rule, though, you know, because they had it all planned out from the beginning. Exactly. And your source material is phenomenal, yep. and all the choices they made in Lord of the Rings seemed just right. They did it with Harry Potter too, like the last Harry Potter film. Um, well, that was split into two, the two parts. They filmed it the same time, right. and yeah. they banged those out like they knew that they were going to be doing all the books, right? Um, and those movies are great. Yeah, good point, too. 
It just needs to be based on a book, and then it's okay. <laughs> Pretty I think much. That is That's exactly the only it, too. Like, it's a much different story to be adapting something that already exists, that you know the ending, you know the beats and all that, versus, like, trying to create something from whole cloth. <clears throat> Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> so... so Ewan McGregor is in talks for an Obi-Wan Kenobi show. Oh, my Bobby. God! This came to us just after we finished recording the 46 minutes. came to us at minute 47. Yes. <laughs> and I was so pissed off. Kurt, yeah. I am so excited. Kirsten is very uh, excited. Ewan McGregor is, like, I don't want to say he's the only good thing about that prequel trilogy, but yes. fuck, man. Yeah, if you is. watch those movies... I, he's just like acting circles around everybody and he is like the perfect Obi-Wan like he makes it his own character it's not like I don't like that butt is building me oh, sorry <laughs> sorry sorry, sorry. I know but then it was figuring out it's uh, like he he takes it who's the um who's uh Alec Guinness thank you he takes the, uh, the tiniest little piece of Alec Guinness's Obi-Wan and then fucking makes it his own like he is so delightful to watch in those movies. He does such a good job. Like, fuck, he needs his like he needs his own Obi Wan movie, which yeah. they were you know unfortunately got scrapped after um, Solo failed. Um, but like, he is just so delightful in those movies. Like, those movies are worth watching just to see you and McGregor's Obi Wan. Perfect example. My favorite part of Episode Two, The Attack of the Clones. The only part of that movie that I enjoyed from first watching on is Obi-Wan is going on that stupid water planet to like investigate whatever fucking dumb asshole <laughs> stupid shitty plot that stupid George Lucas the source out. of the clones that's what he was investigating bullshit and, it, and uh, Ian, Ian McGregor as Obi-Wan is sitting in a way that is similar to the way that Alec Guinness sat <sighs> In episode four, he Incredible. like he's got this kind right, of a right, lean right, right. Yeah, on his yeah. knee thing, and I picked up on it immediately. I was like, oh, just like Obi Wan said, cute, amazing choice as an actor. You're totally right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So anyway, it was really disappointing because like you and McGregor has been talking about uh, like p people have been saying we want this Obi Wan movie, and then fucking Disney's like, well, how about a movie about the bounty hunters? And everyone's yeah. like, come on, we just want yeah. an Obi Wan. We wanted movie. the Obi Wan movie before we wanted Han Solo. Oh, yes, too, right? like what was, are you doing? It was funny because my favorite <sighs> meme was uh, uh, like a. A comic strip of Thanos in that thing where he's talking to his young daughter, the young version of his daughter, yeah. and the daughter asks, "Did you go see Solo?" And Thanos <laughs> is like, "No." The daughter asks, "What did it cost?" And Thanos is like, "Everything." <laughs> <laughs> so good, right? And like oh, uh, Obi Wan, uh, you and McGregor has been saying like, you know, they haven't come and talked to me yet, but I would be really into it. And like age wise, it makes sense too for yeah. like him to be playing it now. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it did cost everything. Fuck, I went and saw Solo, and I liked it. Mm. But I, I didn't mind it. But another you know uh, thing too, what when I watched Rogue One, and there was a scene about like them talking about their friend, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I was like, I oh, know, is he gonna show up here? I know. And Fuck. No. It's just he's so perfect. He's just a, such a good Obi Wan. Um, and I just I love like you're saying, Paul, like just the way that he like. These little hints to Alec Guinness, and Alec Guinness was in one movie, yeah. but like he doesn't 
take Plus away. Yeah, like he doesn't take away unless you're watching the re-release versions where they put fucking. Oh no no no! Never mind. Yeah. That's something else. Um. Anyway, um. I'm just so excited for this. Um. And when I originally saw the article, I thought that yes, there is going to be an Obi Wan Kenobi show, but no, he is just in talks with Disney Plus right now. What would it be? What what in your mind? What would it be a good Obi Wan show? Mm, great question. Would they have Liam Neeson as Qui Gon? <laughs> oh jeez, as a Force Ghost? Yeah. Why not? I don't know. I, I have just want a particular see... set of skills. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess like I would just want to see like uh, it would have to be kind of age appropriate. Um, like it, he can't go back to being like young Obi Wan no. or anything like yeah. that. But him just like hanging out, like watching over Luke, like. But then maybe getting called away on yeah, like little like, things. Like what's then, he? Yeah. What was he doing on Tatooine? Like like what? What were you up to? Like I don't know. There's a lot of stories there to tell that I think would be really interesting. And he's in hiding after Order sixty six. Like mm-hmm. you know, like there's everything there's... he did would have to be like kind of clandestine. Yeah. And hiding. No, yeah, no, like mind mind tricks yeah. or yeah, like he's living in that cave. Like I want to know of the backstory why Luke's like old man, like Obi Wan, like he's crazy. Right? Ben, ben. Why he took Ben Kenobi? Yep, yep. Um, I'm so excited about you. You know what? I Why always... he decided to watch Luke and not Leia? Because <laughs> Jimmy Smith was going to take Leia. Yeah, I know, but it's still like, like she gets to be a princess, and we'll just put Luke on this desert planet. <laughs> you can watch him. <laughs> um, so whenever there was all the memes and the like, uh, the concentrated effort to get the Obi Wan movie made, I always was just like, as much as I agree, I love you and McGregor. I was like, I don't that movie because mm. I don't want it to be like Rogue One and Solo which is like this like you know modern it's got to be big third act CG bullshit right yeah. like a lot of right like the whole time like that doesn't really suit that type of standalone movie doesn't really suit that character this TV show on the other hand absolutely could sure. you could have yeah. like more quiet but like with action sequences for sure one of the most badass scenes in the original Star Wars is when Obi-Wan just cuts off that guy's arm in the fucking bar, right? Oh, comes out of nowhere. It's a great example of less lightsaber is better because yep. you only see like the flash of the lightsaber. This sweet thing happens and it goes away. Whereas in the prequels, Obi-Wan is constantly whipping the oh goddamn God. thing out and yeah. waving it around. Okay, like it's fucking glow stick and he's a chambala. <laughs> but like... Um, honestly, right? And so like if they take those lessons that we've learned from the prequels, sequels, and beyond and make a really, like, lovely TV series with it. Give me one season. Give me ten seasons. I don't know. But, like, <laughs> that's got really sweet potential. And it well, know, well over what a movie could do. And we know, like, Ewan McGregor is it's super into TV. He was in uh, Fargo. Fargo, yeah. Right? Like, Crushed great. Like, so, yeah. I'm so in for it. We bring you some news from the official Masters of the Universe Facebook page. I didn't know this existed. And the Masters of the Universe. Get ready for Masters of the Universe Revelation, an animated Netflix show from Kevin Smith. Yay! That will pick up where the 80s show left off. There's a hashtag, too. It's hashtag M-O-T-U. Wow. Who's hype for It'll Masters up, like, of the where Universe? Where the 80s cartoon... Yeah, um, yeah. Left off. I'm hyped that what? We, we just heard <laughs> likely Brian put in the like Masters of the Universe yeah. to separate that section of the podcast, and that's such sweet, amazing music and floods me with nostalgia. And it's yeah. gonna be rated PG-13, which is rad, awesome. crazy. Did you guys know that? I think it was. I want to say back in like 2002, 2003 ish, there was a reboot, a cartoon reboot of Masters of the Universe. Hmm. 
Um, I was working at a toy store at the time, and it was like the biggest news in the world because He-Man obviously comes from toys, mm-hmm. right? Invented to sell toys, yeah. like purely. There's no two ways about that at hey, all. Hey, Transformers, GI Joe, it's all, all of them. Yeah, um, all of our childhood. Um, so, uh, so, but in uh, in in early 2003 or whatever it was, they put out this new toy line, which hmm. was really sweet. The original toy line, which we all grew up with and all had was such cobbled together crap. <laughs> like, the reason He-Man rides a tiger, yes, that is sweet, but they just had a tiger toy from a different toy line. Wow. They were like, paint it green. It's not to scale with He-Man. I don't give a shit. Just make him ride it. Let's get a saddle from a different cowboy toy. Put it on it. Paint it a different color. Like, literally, that's how cobbled together and shitty the original He-Man toy line was. And the legs Amazing. never fit when he straddled <laughs> no, the tiger. That's true. Not. That's true. It was amazing for that no. so they made this toy line of He-Man toys that was actually really good looking it was like a great set of toys He-Man Skeletor like everyone and it looked really cool um, Cringer everything it was like it was you know like properly crafted He-Man toys what merited that timing though because there was no re-release of the show or anything. there was, was a re-release of the show what of a new cartoon you can find it online there was a really huh. well animated He-Man cartoon show yeah, and it's, I had it's no quite idea. sweet. Yeah, it's like I kind of fall off even after the first episode. Is like how how Skeletor becomes Skeletor, and he's like fighting He Man's dad and all that. Like they really deep dive into that mythology. I know it's such garbage. <laughs> I just looked up a photo of like the He Man sitting on the tiger, and it's so bad. Yeah, it does not fit <laughs> at all. Um, so yeah, there was like they they did a redo cartoon, and it was really neat. What. This sounds like what Kevin Smith is doing is somewhere between like ignoring that, uh, kind of cashing in on the She-Ra, which is really popular on Netflix right now, so making it really cool and modern, but as well as giving it tons and tons of like 80s nostalgia feel. Because the 2003 He-Man reboot, Masters of the Universe reboot, had zero nostalgia. It was very like of the time, super modern animation. It kind of was like trying to make something interesting and cool out of a mythology that was born out of like sloppy, lazy toy selling. That's crazy. Yeah, I had no idea. And it was a comic in 2012. Like DC put out uh, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe comics in 2012. That's amazing. As long as Skeletor will sound the same as he did in the (laughs) 80s, I'm going to be happy. My power is beyond your understanding. You bumbling idiot! (laughs) You boob! You furry flea-bitten fool! I'll cover my throne with your hide! (laughs) Did anybody see Son of Zorn? Yeah. Uh, yeah, the fox. This was, fox yeah, yeah. This was the a live action show uh, with an animated main character who yeah. was totally ripped off from He-Man. He-Man. And yeah, it's just his cartoon character who came from this, this sort of He-Man universe, but then lives in suburbia. With a, with a son he didn't know he had. Or it, it was, yeah, it was, a weird, it was a weird show. Zorn, voiced by Jason Sudeikis, did a great job. I that's thought. right, too. Yeah, yeah that's right. Uh, Cheryl Hines was in it from Curb Your Enthusiasm. <laughs> um, Tim Meadows, like, really good cast, but not that great of no. a show. Um, yeah, Kirsten, as the, like, greatest Kevin Smith 
fan slash apologist in this room. Um, <gasps> There's nothing we need to apologize for. <laughs> do you think this will be sweet, though? Like, Yeah, I think uh, the thing that I like about... One of the things that I like about Kevin Smith <laughs> is... Um, it, and we were talking about it like last week, is that he's so passionate about the things that he loves. So I mm-hmm. know that he will do it justice, and I know that he wouldn't take it on unless uh, you know he had a good idea and it was going to be a good thing. So I, I know that he'll do a good job with it, yeah. It's cue the Bond music. Bond 25 has a title, No Time to Die. Producers announced the moniker back on Tuesday for the film that has long been referred to as simply as Bond 25. Calm down, Art. <laughs> Sounds like a good name. I don't know. Oh, do you think so? Yeah, no time to die. No time to die. I'm going to die another day. Die. Oh, the best Bond movie. So, Paul, you remember I told you about this this No Time to Die trailer? Yeah. It, no, it was like it's like a title. You see Daniel Craig walk over some pieces of graphic which turns into the title for No Time to Die and that's yes. it. Oh. And then there's 2 minutes of like behind the scenes stuff which is pretty cool. Yeah. Mm. There's some pretty cool stuff in there. Um Oh, dang it. What's his name? Jeffrey from Westworld. Guy. Uh, Bernard. Jeffrey Wright. Um, is in the movie with his shaved do and the beard. Um, he's the American spy. Yeah, right? he was in the movie. Yeah. He was in one of the Bond movies. Yeah, so you see, you yeah, see, you see that clip. And um, Rami Malek will be the villain in this one, which I think would be great. Yeah. Rami Malek has a great, I just from Mr. Robot anyways, has a great sense of quiet psychosis for a yeah, bad guy which yeah. I think would be perfect for a Bond movie yeah because he reminds me or I, I'm like imagining that his performance will be similar to that of Mads Mikkelsen in um, Casino Royale sure like quiet calculating mm-hmm. understated yeah yeah it's supposed to be April 3rd 2020 in the UK and April 8th 2020 and to be directed States? by Kerry Fukunaga right a stud <laughs> whose qualities include is a stud uh, yeah, he did the first True Detective. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh. So he's uh, and he wasn't really involved in the second season, so everybody kind of realized <laughs> who was the who was the the strength in that first season. Right. Not the writer creator, but uh, the director. So uh, yeah, I'm interested for sure to see what he can do with the uh, the Bond series. There, maybe lighten it up a little bit. It would be neat to lighten up a little Just bit. Just a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Um, I heard an argument that uh, these Daniel Craig Bonds... Probably for me. What's that? Probably for me. Yeah, well, do you find that like they're not Bond enough that when you, you buy a ticket to a James Bond movie, you want gadgets and one-liners and misogyny and not like... You know, hardcore, realistic, just swinging a rope into your balls and, you know, uh, like crying because your girlfriend died. Like, that's not what you want from James Bond. What do you, how do you yeah, feel? A little more that? winking at the camera, a little, not, I mean, not winking at the camera, but a little, yeah, a few of those lighter hearted moments. I just think that that's been missing from the Daniel Craig Yeah, it's been, it's been going like a spiraling downwards too, like the last one where he goes back to his house and yeah. like, holy shit, that got fucking dark. Yeah, really personal yeah. James yeah. Bond yeah. stories. Which, heavy. Yeah. Very so. heavy. And you don't like? Well, it's not that I don't like them, I just like, I've seen like these movies, like the Jason Bourne movie, that's what Jason Bourne is, really. So I just think like, let's go back to what, you know, sure, the old James Bonds are little misogynistic yes but uh i i think that we can have both 
and this has gone a little too far to that to that serious side. Dark That's interesting. Yeah. I don't mind it. Like I, I love Daniel Craig. He's one of my favorite Bonds. Each Bond really needs to like you just think of it as like a totally different character almost. You know, like the tropes are there, the code name, the is the gadgets, the the other characters, whatever. They're all there. But they're practically when you change from actor to actor, it's like a completely different movie series almost. Which I I understand. And but when you watch Daniel Craig, you're like this guy like hates what he's doing. When you watch the old James Bonds, the old James Bonds love what they're doing. So true, yeah. You know, and and Daniel Craig has come out on TV saying he hates filming these Bonds. Really? (laughs) Wow. He said it on the on a lot of the show, a lot of the talk shows he's on, just because they're so difficult to make because he has to do so, you know, do all these action sequences and stuff like that. So. I don't know. Baby. <laughs> I, you know, I'm excited to, with the release of this movie, to rewatch the Daniel Craig movies because I hope that if he wants to check out of this series, let him go. J- just wrap it up in this one. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. have a nice, satisfying conclusion, a nice arc out of these, what is it, four movies? Five movies. How many has he done now? He's done a lot of movies. Is this I think the this fifth? The f- I'm thinking five. Fifth, mm-hmm. yes. Okay, great. Five movies, nice arc. Just wrap it up. Finish it up, and then give it some time, and then cast a black guy. Great. New Doctor. Right, exactly, yeah. And then, you know, you, if you want, I don't know, it's like, maybe, who knows, maybe the next James Bond will be a little campier, and we'll be in the mood for that at that time. I don't know. But again, it's like the, it's like the Doctors. They just ab- absorb, absorb the personality of the actor portraying them, and there has to be a bit of that. It's also a sign of the times, right? Bond has always changed with the times mm. as well. There's such a weird thing that happens to because I always really loved that theory. Did you hear that theory that like there is no James Bond? That the name James Bond is the code name given to the spy of the time that happens to hold the 007. And that would be cool too, right? It's like that's why these movies can keep going forever. Is like you just give this fake name, the spy name, yeah. to this guy, whoever mm-hmm. the new um, uh, spy is. I love but, that concept. What weirdly happened with that is it, that totally made sense as a theory until they reboot with Daniel Craig and then Judy Dench is still M. Mm. And then, though, and in then like a weird then, yeah. time fuckery, Ray Fiennes comes in and he's clearly playing like the original M that Sean Connery was dealing with. And Money Penny is there and everything. Like, pretty strange. It's very time warbly. Oh, Money Penny was black. <laughs> <laughs> So, let's go back to Great Big Story for a second. There's a Great Big Story on Steve Ritchie. Anybody know who Steve Ritchie is? No. He is a pinball... Wizard? ...game designer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And was working in a pinball game studio when the people who were making Mortal Kombat needed a, a voice to say the things, a new villainous voice. So, Steve Ritchie, besides being a very prolific uh, pinball game designer is also the guy who says finish him and that kind of thing which leads me to Mortal Kombat the uh, next movie has cast more of its lead role sorry I'm just in my head I'm thinking of the soundtrack from Mortal Kombat the early 2000s what the fuck right man? absolutely that music was something else I had, reminds I you had of laser tag party and then, like the blade rave scene <laughs> oh yes loop <laughs> Because that was around the time when I first started driving. <laughs> Let's just talk about, like, why do these think? Why do these movies keep being made? Like, video game movies made based on video games. It doesn't work. They have a great track record. Right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> like, has there been one that's worked? 
Um, like, how bad was Doom? Holy yeah, shit. No. Well, Mortal Kombat, too, I, I remember being very excited about it because it was like, oh, if it's going to be anything like the Mortal Kombat video game, which was, at the time, mm -hmm. very, very violent. And then they made a PG-13 version. And then they had, like, a... Like, an, like a climax scene where they're fighting in the pit <laughs> and, and the one character falls in the pit which is the pit of spikes and like in the video game if you die and you get sent to the pit of spikes you get impaled by all these spikes he got stabbed by one spike <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> lucky how did he get stabbed by one spike he fell in the pit like, through the fleshy part and then like arm. <laughs> and then like his arm the way he was laid out it was like perfectly so that no spikes touched him <laughs> <laughs> PG-13, man. PG-13. And then Goro? What they did with Goro? That was pretty funny. Too. What did they do with Goro? He just wasn't as... He wasn't scary. He wasn't... He was... <laughs> this new Mortal Kombat is rated R, though. Yeah. 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 So, I... Make this good, you idiots. We want and more than one Street spike. Fighter 1, and then make Street Fighter fight Mortal Kombat... And then shush and make a Zelda movie for crying out loud. Right, I've been... Yeah. Why do we go back to the Mortal Kombat well before Zelda? I don't understand. Or before... Well, they're making Would a you like a, a live-action Zelda? Or yes! Okay. Or Assassin's Creed. Like that was nice. terrible, too, wasn't that it? That was yeah. such a bad movie. Yeah, God, so. I don't know how they got that cast in there. Prince of Persia, anyone? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I take it all back. Just stop that. Stop this. <laughs> how horrible. Oh, How horrible! Um, slightly related to video games. Dude was pulled over on the highway with eight phones simultaneously running Pokemon Go. Can we ask the important question here? Who is still playing Pokemon Go? Apparently this guy. He had a custom rig. Jade. Yeah, well, that's true. Shout Jade Nixon, Jade. Is, yeah, who is, shall Pokemon. return to the zone mid-September, is still an avid Pokemon Go player. But yeah. Yeah, look you at guys this. have all fall, fallen off on Harry Potter, too. Yeah. You did, too, hey? Yeah, Brian asked me last week. He's like, hey, what's going Are you still playing Harry Potter? I was like, no, I played yeah, it that one thing, day. You're like my oh, only really? Harry yeah. Potter friend on my friend thingy. I think Dallas was playing for a minute. Yeah? Uh, I, can, I, guess you can, I just don't like the way you, you do the friend thing, because you have to share, like, how many it's like like a credit the, card numbers. Yes, <laughs> so many numbers. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then you're just like, two plus days ago. Yeah. 11 days ago. <laughs> I remember I was away for that podcast, too, when you guys played a boring game for the podcast for 20 minutes. 20 minutes? No, we, 20 didn't, we didn't try. We just what, got distracted. I'm opening it right now. Oh, see, I pulled, I pulled it off um, my phone because I want to play Elder, Scroll, Elder Scrolls Blades, which is pretty good so far. So I remember wanting to scream at you then, but not at you guys, but at all of these like, augmented reality games. What a fucking waste of time and technology. And I have to pay more for my phone now because it's good at augmented reality? I don't want that! Put out an iPhone without that at all because I don't want a T-Rex on a basketball court. I do! Oh, wow, sweet, for one second. That was worth an extra $500 to buy this phone. And then these games that people play for two minutes, and they're like, oh, yeah, I remember now. This is boring and stupid, and I don't want to be walking around with my phone out looking at the fucking Pikachu across the road. Boring! Stop with this. Augmented reality is a waste of fucking time. But tell me an application that this is worthwhile. Can you? It's so stupid! It's so stupid technology! 
I think it has more um, industrial applications for building and you know pre-visualizing you know structures and, and things than, oh. than games but again great I can find the Ikea app and see what my living room would look like <laughs> industrial applications I like that but again up, Paul. All, the, cool. all the great technology <laughs> does seem to come to the end consumer where uh, again I think it might have better use um, in industrial settings let's talk about the Pokemon Go guy though okay uh, Trooper Rick Johnson tweeted Sergeant Kyle Smith contact uh contacted a vehicle on the shoulder yesterday evening. This is what was next to the driver playing Pokemon Go with eight phones. They're all, they're in this like styrofoam rig all cut out. But they're, th- like, they're all different phones. It's not like he's got eight iPhones. No, it's incredible. There's some Samsungs in here. Yeah, it's so, all different phones. So I was talking about this um, on air on the weekend and a guy called me after I did my break on it and he told me that there's like this conspiracy because I was like, why, why do you have eight? Like, are is are you making money? Like, did, you, did somebody pay you to take their Pokemon Go on a drive? And he was like, he got in this crazy conspiracy theory where he told me that people think that these augmented reality apps that people are taking out their phone and they're catching a Pikachu, um, it's actually like the government or some spy network. Oh, so when you have your phone open and you're looking at the Pikachu, your government whatever big brother is looking through your phone and like seeing whatever else is so they for like i don't know bombing i don't know he was getting crazy (laughs) if that's happening it's been happening for years and we don't need to be playing a game for it maybe that's the answer paul weird thing that's why we have augmented reality because the government wants to spy on us so they want us to see the dinosaur and then look through our phones and bomb things. There was also this thing, too, Goodness. back when Pokemon Go was first a, th- um, a thing. Because Pokemon Go, the whole reason they made that is for you to be able to go out and take walks and stuff. Mm-hmm. But there were people that just just wanted to play it uh, and didn't want to go for a walk. Right. And they wanted to, like, yeah, you know, level up and stuff in their, in their phones. So you can actually, on, like, Craigslist and stuff, you can actually hire people oh to take my your God. phone out. Uh, for a while. God, that is like stuff. a next that's level ridiculous. of laziness. Yeah. I'll bet you that's what this guy was doing. Maybe, yeah, because he all has different different phones. Exactly, right? And yeah, it's like if he just gets one more phone, he can also be an Uber driver. Is this a business <laughs> venture? My God. Seriously. Yeah. yeah, and then you can make an extra cash driving around. Why not? Let's go to reviews and recommendations, and it'll involve all but one of us in this room who saw Weird Al Yankovic last night. Guess I'll see myself out. Sorry, Brian. <laughs> oh, just the best. Everybody, look at my socks. What are you wearing? How about the Weird Al socks? Oh, they had Weird Al socks for sale. Oh, That's so yeah. cool. This pattern is really cool. They had it on a tote bag, and they also had it on like a very bud shirt, like the short sleeve button shirt. Oh yes. I do not have ninety dollars though to drop Ooh. on on a on a short sleeve button shirt. But, sure. uh, merch aside. Show was great. Yeah, I think mm. the best uh, thing that I heard about it from Kim, uh, who works in our uh, traffic department, and also Chelsea, who uh, is in our creative department. Both of them said that their cheeks hurt yes. from yes. smiling, Mine's like amazing. like just like the, the entire time. Yeah, he is. I've said this before, and I will fight anyone 
with facts and figures, <laughs> who wants to dispute it? The greatest entertainer of our generation. Yes. Who can say, who can like have a career that has even come close to the trajectory of his, honestly? Mm -hmm. And the show like last night is like such pr like, proof positive of that. And how, but another uh, glaring example with the cheeks hurting for sure, we said we got a million shows all the time, right? Yeah. And especially arena shows, I can't wait to get the fuck out of there. Yeah. Okay. Play me the hits and thank you. Good night. And I go. I'm yep. done. I was sad it was over in this case. Mm -hmm. It went fast, you know, and then I was like hoping for more songs. Like, that's the tell of a true entertainer is that you don't want to leave. You don't want it to be over. Especially with us jaded media people. Yes. We're in the music industry. We're exposed to this stuff all the time. I paid for these tickets. I stayed the entire show. Mm -hmm. I rarely, if ever, stay an entire show. And especially me, because as a photographer, usually I'm in there, I shoot the first three, and I'm escorted out. Right. Or if I have the opportunity to stay, I'm staying for two or three more. Then I got mm -hmm. stuff to do. No. Whole show enjoyed every second of it. Yeah. Um, you know, I, uh, I remember a, uh, a guy who used to work here, James Sutton, the great James Sutton. You know, um, OG's owners may remember him. Um, he even said, uh, the last time we saw Weird Al in Victoria, which I think was at the Royal Theater, this was like, you know, over 10 years ago, he said, I wish, he was a music director at the time, mm. I wish that modern artist bands. You know, performers, everybody would go and see a Weird Al show. And yeah, you don't need to put on a fucking fat suit. You don't need to be making those types of jokes. It doesn't need to be funny. But watch the showmanship there. Mm -hmm. oh, yes. So many bands, they get up there, they stand in their street clothes, and I'm bored. Okay, we're in a very tight, competitive entertainment landscape these days. Entertainment. So entertain Entertainment. Us. Yeah. yeah, learn something from Weird Al. Nonstop, from the second he stepped on stage to the very end and after, I was entertained. Art, you are not even a Weird Al fan. You went. What did you think? Yeah, I was in a unique perspective, or had a unique perspective on it, because I, I've heard Weird Al. Wow. Like, I've heard, I've heard, I've heard his, you know, like, he okay. has an effect on... The popular culture. I hear, I hear his. I hear the references. Kirsten's face palming. All that, but I'd never heard any Weird Al songs before. Amazing. Yes. Yeah, Amazing. So, so going into that, I was just completely like, you know, and it's, I like I'm intrigued and I was entertained. Nice. I'll, that's that's what I'm going to say about it. Uh, I was shocked by like because I, from what I heard going in, I was like, okay, so I'm going to hear parody songs. And it's gonna be funny, but I like got out of it. I was like, "Hey, he has like a really good voice." Yes, <laughs> that's. I think that's what I was most shocked about, and how it's just, yeah, I was very entertained. And he has musical chops as well as mm -hmm. comedic chops. So yeah. obviously, to have that, you can put on a really good show. An and, amazing live band yeah. too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and yeah, it was good. Uh, and I loved how they had the orchestra on the back, and I love the videos too that they mm -hmm. put up of his like. You know his his mark on pop culture. It yeah. was that I I really enjoyed that. So Kirsten, tell us about that show from the '90s, that uh, Weird Al show at the Royal Theater. Yeah, so the very first concert that I ever went to was a Weird Al show, and I I'm guessing it would have been like '96, '97, because Jurassic Park was was out. Uh, Bad Hair Day had come out. I think Bad Hair Day came out in '96. So. Probably 96, 97. Um, and it, it was totally a different experience. Yep. So, like, it was really cool seeing him with the whole symphony orchestra. Um, and it was really interesting how he still kind of did some, like, costume changes. Whereas this show at the Royal, 
was like in between every song there was almost like that minute two minute intermission uh because he had to get changed so he yeah. had like he put on a suit um and when he sang um eat it like it 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 inflated and it got big and like i'm pretty suit. sure it like popped at the end yeah. and like it was um like there was just so much more like showy like a, the- a theatrical performance mm-hmm. whereas this show um, was really stripped down and I, I thought it was really cool like just to see those different kinds of Weird Al yeah I really wish that you know I thought about you Bugs I know you're a big fan too what we like it would have been a really fun road trip to go to Seattle when he came through last year and mm-hmm. played just his original songs oh, yes. which are also amazing and yeah. um, after every concert at the end he did a cover of like a popular or a rock And song. I heard those were phenomenal. They're all online streaming. You can watch like however many dates it was, and it was quite a few. You can watch like all of those uh, or hear all of those uh, cover song performances, which are will. really, really good. That's cool. Yeah, June 20th, 1996, the Bad Hair Tour yep. uh, for Weird Al Yankovic. God, that was first concert I ever went to. Also, the first CD I ever bought. Sam. Amazing. Was Bad Hair Day. Amazing. I went to a Kmart. <laughs> and I, I paid for it with a check. Oh my god! That's amazing. That's hilarious. Um, same concert for me too, but it was the Orpheum over in Vancouver. I know, it, was, it was amazing. Um, I uh, I was talking to Caleb Kirby too, sometimes on the podcast. Um, when uh, Gangsters Paradise came on, yeah. I was like, I don't know or Amish Paradise. I was like, I don't know the words to Gangsters Paradise. Like <gasps> most people, yeah. know the words to Gangsters. Like I can't not sing Amish Paradise. Amazing. Um, if that song comes on. Oh, yeah. But, because, like, the thing with Weird Al is, like, um, when I was a kid, like, I wasn't super into music. Like, I wasn't super into popular music at all. So I knew the Weird Al songs and not the songs he was parodying. Yeah. So it was really interesting for me. It, it was like Weird Al was almost the person that got me into liking music through his parodies. That is so cool. I think that's probably the case with a lot of kids. Like, because that was a really neat thing to see as well at that show last night is, yeah, there was a, when I first walked in, there was like a ton of kids I saw, mm-hmm. like, standing in line at concession. But then as you looked around the rink, and especially like, in the front row, and when he went into the crowd, he yeah. saw like a close up of like who was out there. There was like no kids on the floor. Nope. It was all people as old as us or older. There was some that kids on wild. there. They had the aluminum foil hats. So that was cute. That, that family foil. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, he's a, amazing. It was a great show. It felt like a, rock, like a rock concert. Seriously. A the, really good, yeah. fun rock concert. Yeah, mm-hmm. And it's um, so good to hear you say that too, Art, that it's not just Curse and I like wallowing and bathing in nostalgia. It's like <laughs> legitimately like, like, good. People had like lighters out. And, like, like oh, in their yeah. phones, and we were like swaying our arms. Yeah, it was a good atmosphere. Like, yeah. oh man! Art, did you wear time. a Hawaiian shirt? I didn't. I didn't know anything about uh, Weird Al. <laughs> Art, and it's Paul Art had to Hawaiian go home to get his. Um, <laughs> he yeah, had to like God, leave man. and go get it. <laughs> I'm sorry, you guys. Kirsten and I literally have to leave in like two minutes ago. I want to tell a really quick Weird Al story. So that show oh, in '96, yeah. I was two years in the promotion department at the Q. They sent me to go pick him up from the Helijet. So here comes this guy, this seven-foot-tall guy with billowing hair from the helicopter, right? Um, and I'm like, hey, Mr. Yankovic, I'm Bud. I'm from the queue. I'm here to take you to the hotel. We were broadcasting at a hotel not far from the thing. And he gets into the station vehicle, and he, he curls up. He puts his feet up on the dashboard and his head between his legs, and just he was holding a box of Kleenex, and he said nothing. He was deathly 
ill. Oh, no. He said not a word as I drove him. And so I, I dropped him off at the thing. I parked the vehicle. I came around the corner to where we're doing the broadcast, and he is on. Yeah. He was like, it was like nothing had happened. He sounded amazing. He was hilarious. He just slayed on this rented accordion that we brought him. And then I drove him back to, it was only a couple blocks, but he was not feeling very well, so I drove him back to the Royal Theater. Same thing. He just turtles up, dead silent. I asked and him I sign. would have never have known. No, yeah, yeah you saw the show by all reports. Show. It was an amazing show. Yeah. He signed a couple of things, and then he left, and that was my Weird Al experience, and it gave me a lot of respect for him, because holy lightning, he was dead, but on like you couldn't believe. Yeah. It was amazing. Good story, bud. That Cheers. is really cool. Cheers. Thank you. Wow. Yeah, good early radio story. Um, yeah, we got to go. Um, I have a quick uh, okay, yep. review and recommendation. Just real quick. I watched Alita Battle Angel. Have you, oh. Did you see it? Yeah. God, it was fucking awful. Did you like it? <laughs> no. Okay. It was that terrible. Oh, wow. Holy shit. That movie, I don't know how they got those actors in there. Yeah, that dude, the the, the boyfriend dude, oh hated him. Is that God. the James Cameron movie? Yes. Yep. Yeah, well, that's Holy why they got the robot well, Robert James Rodriguez. Cam it was James and Robert Rodriguez. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, I... She's I, my hero, though, not Captain Marvel. Well, <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? And that's part of the reason I watched it was because, like, all of these people were like, go see Alita Battle Angel. And so I thought, like, I was like, oh, maybe it's, you know... Maybe it's actually good. Maybe it's, maybe it's, maybe it's yeah. a good... Holy fuck. You got lured under the bridge by trolls. That's right. Shit. I didn't pay for it. Oh my God. It was bad. Like, I, I can only imagine that that movie. So, um, Jupiter Ascending. Mm. I walked out of that movie and I liked it. I liked Jupiter Ascending. And I was like, guys, wasn't that great? And everyone was like, what the fuck movie did you just watch? <laughs> That's how I felt with Alita Battle Angel. Mm. Like, I felt coming out of that, like, it was very similar, like, just a weird fucking. Story, terrible, terrible, terrible. You're Don't also watch thinking it. the whole time, fuck her eyes. Right? I was! <laughs> Where can we find you on the internet, Kirsten? Just say your Instagram, remember? Cur oh, yeah. Kirsten.james. On Instagram. On Instagram. Yay! Art Aronson. <laughs> At Art Aronson on all we social media platforms. This, yeah. <laughs> Paul? Uh, it's Paul Blasino on all social media. You can find me on the internet. <laughs> Okay, that's not really a bad uh, thing to say, Kirsten. I, I'm with you. Just keep saying that. Just Google your dumb name. Google my dumb name. I'm Webmeister Button on socials. This has been the Geek Out Podcast. Thanks for listening. Bye! The Geek Out Podcast is a production of The Zone at 91.3. The views expressed here are not necessarily those of this radio station. And really, some of those views are pretty stupid. I mean, come on. For more on-demand audio from The Zone, visit thezone.fm slash podcast or the on-demand tab of our app. Thanks for listening, and thanks for being a zoner.